With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slesser, and today our guest is A's broadcaster Ken Korak. We will talk about baseball's hiatus during the coronavirus crisis, what he's doing in Las Vegas, and the A's controversial plan to go all streaming in the Bay Area. Ken Korak, the longtime A's radio broadcaster, well, I guess now you're a streaming broadcaster, Ken. We are talking during baseball's hiatus. Uh, this is a this is a first for you and me and everyone else concerned. How how are you holding up as this is all going on, Ken? Well, thanks, Susan. I hope you're doing okay after your injury. Yeah, I, I am. I got my uh, uh, sutures out yesterday and the splint off, and I'm now in a walking boot, but I can't. I still no weight bearing for another 15 days. So, are your hockey days over? My hockey days might hockey? be over. I could still okay, talk yeah. though, so that's, that's yeah, a plus. Right, <laughs> that's important. I could talk important and write. for me. We're doing okay. We're hanging in there, you know, and. Uh, my wife Denise and I have kind of hunkered down here at our home out outside of Las Vegas, and there hasn't been the kind of mandate, the shelter-in-place blanket mandate that uh, you have up in the Bay Area. But I think it's kind of getting that way uh, down here. Um, we all were looking forward to getting back up north and getting back home, and I just canceled a couple of appointments, one in Wana Creek and one in San Francisco that I had next week. So I think uh, we're not alone in that, but uh, we're doing okay. We're, we're hanging in there just fine. And I know your, your daughter, Emily is in the LA area and your dad, who's 101 is also in Southern California. How are they doing? That's correct. Thanks for asking. You know, I've taken a great deal of inspiration from my father during this time, because as you said, he's 101. He was born just three months after the end of world war one. He lived through the depression. He served in England during world war two. And he's been struggling with his health. I went down and spent most of last week with him down in L.A., but yet he is concerned about how we're doing. And I think he brings a certain perspective from a life that he's lived for over a century of having been through things. You know, you and I haven't really ever experienced anything like this. He has. And uh, so he's, it's, it's really been inspirational having the chance to talk with him. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's great. And how's Emily? Emily's fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, that's great. Uh, Las Vegas is obviously a, a kind of an unusual environment to be in. I know the casinos are all just now starting to close. Is that right? That's a big deal when that happens in, in your neck of the woods. Right. All the casinos have been shut down, the restaurants and bars. And there has been the edict that uh, was passed down from the governor, Governor Sisolak, uh, that all of the non-essential businesses should close. I don't think that's a, an, an order, a mandate right now, but it's just been suggested. But it, it, it certainly could be going in that direction as well. So, um, and, and I think it's, hap- it's, it's happening in, in some degrees all over the country, of course. Yeah, well, stay safe and sound and indoors and, and very careful. And we'll, we'll, we can continue to talk baseball. Um, 
as this goes on. What, what did you think of the way this was all sort of handled by Major League Baseball, professional sports in general? Nobody's gone through anything like this before. It was a little bit trial and error. Obviously, I was holed up here with my broken ankle as it was all going on. Were you in Arizona as this was all happening? No, there really wasn't a template for it. No, I wasn't because I left Arizona before word came down from Major League Baseball that um, everybody was to disperse and that they were going to postpone or cancel at least the spring training games at that point, Susan, because I was concerned about my dad. So when I left uh, Arizona, left the A's complex, the A's were still, all the teams were still playing their spring training games. So I went down to LA because I was really concerned about my dad. And as I said, I spent a lot of time down there. So I found out about it. I got the news pretty much like everybody else did. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an unusual situation. And, um, I, uh, you know, I I don't think there's necessarily a, a right answer or a wrong answer, except for to be extra careful and take every precaution. That that sort of seems like the way baseball's gone. There's nothing wrong with overreacting, I wouldn't think, right now. Although, as we talk, obviously, and you feel the same way, I have great empathy for people that are are out of work and have kids at home from school or single parents. Uh, You and I are going to be just fine, I think. It's it's not nearly the hardship that it is. And we understand that people are going through really difficult times right now. So baseball and the, the lives of people involved in baseball, while it's an important part of the fabric of America. Uh, I think what we're going through pales in comparison. So um, I have great concern and empathy for what people are going through. And like you said, the most important thing, just be extra vigilant and be uh, safe and be careful and uh, just follow the advice of the experts. And I think in, on the national, on the, on the state and, and local level, which is where we have, I think, our most contact, um, I think those people are doing the best they can. Yeah, I, I think that's a, those are very... Very wise words. Um, now, let's talk a little bit of baseball, because we both did get to see a, at least a, a most of spring training and before the hiatus. What were your impressions of what the A's were looking at as they kind of went into this enforced break? Well, I haven't thought about it for a while, that's <laughs> for sure. But I, I'm really impressed by their club. And if and when we resume the season, I think that most people believe that they have an excellent chance to contend in the West or win the division. We'll see how that plays out. But I do think, uh, parenthetically, that just getting back to playing is going to be great therapy for people around the country. So no matter how your team does this year, when we resume play, and we have to assume that that play will resume, uh, it's going to be, I mean, baseball has always been really important and sports have been this wonderful diversion in difficult times, even more so now, I think. Yeah, 100%. There were some interesting battles, um, you know, not a lot of jobs up in the air, but second base, uh, obviously one key one. How were you seeing things there? I kind of vacillated from day to day on it. <laughs> there was a time when I thought Franklin Barreto was the clear front runner to begin the season at second base. I kind of still feel that way. I'm not sure how you feel. Great competition for the job. And then there's that variable of the two players who are out of options. Uh, Barreto and Mateo, so they have some excellent candidates there. But it was, as you've written, Susan, an unusual camp because there just weren't that many jobs up for grabs. Yeah, and it also was an extremely quiet off season for the A's, unusually so because Billy and and David usually are wheeling and dealing in the off season, and oftentimes right up until the start of the regular season. So it was quiet. 
I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I think the addition of a, the 26th man on the roster, I think, might help them sort out some of these issues. But when we when the teams get back to playing, and there'll be, I would think, at least two or three weeks of spring training. So we'll kind of go through this whole thing again and all the questions about the roster uh, we'll come back to the forefront at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, who, who really even knows at that point, I could see a scenario right. in which maybe for even the first couple of weeks of the season, there are even a couple of extra roster spots as, as teams kind of try to I, get guys arms in shape and, and make sure that they're, you know, sure that they'd prevent injuries and everyone is, is ready yeah. to go. There are all sorts of, I, I would think maybe 28. I think that's yeah. been floated that uh, you might see a 28. 28-man roster at that point. Yeah, and then teams don't have to force some of these decisions. But I'm actually with you. I thought Barreto probably had the upper hand for a roster spot. I was kind of foreseeing a Tony Kemp-Barreto platoon situation, which I think would not necessarily be a bad thing. Uh, the backup catcher spot was the only other really major issue. And you know what? However that goes with Austin Allen or Jonah Heim, I think the A's really like what they saw of both of them this spring. So uh, that's a good thing. And... Uh, yeah, it's just nice to be able to talk a, a little bit of baseball. Now, when things resume, the schedule, you know, especially the later and later it gets pushed back, the sh- shorter and shorter the potential season might be. But the teams might be looking at more double headers, fewer days off, things like that. Uh, I think the A's are a team that maybe that could be a good thing for. They, they would have the best sixth starter in the game, in my opinion, in Chris Bassett. Uh, they could be okay when it comes to doubleheaders, but then they've also got some guys that are coming off some concerning injuries with Manaya, Puck, Lazardo. Uh, how do you see things? Should that be the eventuality? Right, and that was a big question at the time in which spring training was winding down, and that was A.J. Puck and his health, because and there was even some thought that if he got healthy, he would start the season in the bullpen, right? Yeah. But I think they need him as a starting pitcher. And I think for the A's, if they're going to make noise, and I really believe that this group of players at some point, Susan, I don't know if it's going to be this year or at some point down the road, that they can win a World Series. And you have to have a couple of great starting pitchers. We saw it last year with the Nationals with um, Strasburg and Scherzer. So dominant starters at the top of your rotation. And the two guys you think about, at least three guys would be Puck and Luzardo and Frankie Montas, who have the potential to be those kinds of pitchers. And they're they're also really deep with Fires and uh, Manaya and Chris Bassett, like you said. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. But I, they they may need all six of those guys. And you mentioned doubleheaders also maybe playing on days off. Yeah. So you might have a situation where you're going to try to play 25 or 30 days in a row. I, I'm not Oof. sure how that's going to wind up in the negotiations between uh, the owners and the players. I even heard, I think it was Buster only who was writing that you could play baseball well into October, November, maybe even have playoffs in December. And in that case, you'd have to start using uh, dome stadiums or warm weather facilities to play in. So we're venturing, uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to really consider these things in depth. And at that point, We'll be venturing into the great unknown, of course. Yeah, that seems unwieldy. Also, there are obviously concerns that the virus again becomes an issue potentially in the fall. So, sure. yeah, maybe a shortened schedule and, and more double headers might be uh, the prudent way to go. Uh, in the big my picture right now, be, obviously. Uh, my guess would be a shortened schedule, wouldn't you? I yeah, mean, I, I, would ha- would I would have to Where they so. would go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe take out interleague and 
uh, you know, it, it shortened a little bit of the, the in, in division. I, I, I would think maybe lose some games there. Uh, in the big picture of things, obviously, baseball n- n- does not matter. You know, people are in peril. Uh, the A's are a team, uh, I've had people say to me, like, oh, what a shame for them. They really look like they could be the division favorites with everything that happened with the Astros. I don't think anybody is even remotely thinking like that. I think the A's feel like they have a good team no matter what when they resume playing. And all anyone cares about right now is that everyone is safe and sound. Is that kind of your impression? Absolutely. No question. I haven't even thought much about baseball, honestly, for the last 10 days. And I I do think there have been some interesting things that have come out of this. You've been instrumental. You've actually helped me quite a bit with your Twitter feed because you're pointing out certain things. I think the Chronicle might have had a story in the pink section recently about places you can go like virtual museums. Like if you like, um, I think there's a hashtag museums at home where we have to be a little more creative in where we get our entertainment now Absolutely. because there are no ball games to watch. Like I said, you can only watch the news so often. There are wonderful shows on the internet and also on TV. And I've been kind of surfing around. And so I think it's an, it's time to be a little more creative and maybe even a more simpler time where it's a quieter time. But I think that there are ways that we can use our, t- our our time wisely and also find different avenues as far as entertainment is concerned. Yeah. Uh, I'm, like I'm, I know that. Go ahead, Susan. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning stuff, too. I, there are tons right. of games that you can play with your friends in remote locations on your phone. Like really fun stuff. I mean, it's pretty. You can go to app stores and look. You can look online, look for remote games. Uh, a friend of mine was playing a game with a, a, their friend in Spain who was in lockdown in Spain the other night and uh like there's you can do all sorts of stuff like that and still feel connected you can have a like sort of a friends and family game night with people scattered all over the world which is i've heard of yeah i've heard of virtual cocktail parties. yes i believe the chronicle is having one of those tomorrow (laughs) right i think denise might be having one of those or somebody i talked to uh the commonwealth club and for years they've done a great job connecting people you mentioned uh connecting i was watching one of their online programs last night where the host was actually in the club, but the guest was, I think, on Skype or Zoom um, in his house. But they got that out to anybody who wanted to watch it. And I think those things are very informative and entertaining. So people are doing some really creative things that have really helped because we need these kinds of diversions. We need information, of course, but diversions and entertainment, I think, are really important right now. We will be back with more with Ken Korak in just a few moments. My colleague Bruce Jenkins did a, a column last week that I, I really enjoyed about his the top sports movies. Do you have a top baseball movie or top baseball book that you recommend when people ask? I mean, obviously our book uh, is, is yeah, the top I mean, of everyone's list, really. Amazon.com. And of course, I'm still getting residual checks from Moneyball. Uh, the last one was for like nine dollars. Oh, so you have to cents, say Moneyball so. is your favorite baseball movie. I have to because I'm ball. getting res- I'm still getting residual checks from Moneyball. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the major league movies. Yeah, I thought the first the first two were fantastic, but I think some of the the more well known ones. You know, it's hard to go against a movie like Field of Dreams. But I really actually thought, and you and I have talked about this quite a bit, we wrote about it in our 
our book that Moneyball was a really good movie. If you can get past, and that's it's hard to do to get past the the way Art Howe was depicted, and the fact that obviously they glossed over the impact of people like the Big Three and some of the great stars on the team. But I did think that I did. I, I still believe they did a nice job with the movie. I'm astonished. You know, I, I as we that whole process was going along, and remember initially uh, it was going to be a completely different director who was talking about having people play themselves. Steven, Steven Soderbergh, he was going to have Art Howe play himself right. and Rick Peterson play himself and various others. And we kept, you know, I'd, I'd read Moneyball, the book we all had, of course. And I kept thinking, how are they turning this business book into something cinematic? And then Brad Pitt acquired the rights and we thought, that's even weirder. What? Are, what is? And you know what? It's a very watchable movie, and there's some great moments in it. And Brad Pitt's portrayal of Billy Bean is so spot on. There were times during the screening when we saw it initially that I my jaw was on the floor. He just absolutely nailed Billy. So uh, a lot to like there. I I am a huge. I, I played Durham. myself. Yeah. I did play myself in the movie. You and did. We all know how that went. Yes. Yes, because a, nobody's ever seen it. No one has seen or yeah. heard of it. Other, other, your voice, yeah. your voice is in the movie. Voice is in, but <laughs> that's the reason. It, it shows you the quality of my acting that nobody has seen it, and that's for good reason. They wouldn't have been nominated for all those Academy Awards, I think, if they had kept the scene that I acted in the movie. So, anyway, but that was a fun experience. Yeah, well, that's I, I I mentioned in the book, and I've I've told this fairly often, but the the one experience the writing press had with the Moneyball movie. Uh, really was they were filming a press box scene one day at the Coliseum and they kind of asked us to to hang on while they were wrapping things up and we <laughs> when they finally let us in we walked in and every single one of the air quotes reporters uh, in there was wearing a coat and tie and one of them even had a fedora on Money smoking well, a cigar too probably yes, right they will sit in two 2002 and it was all white middle-aged white guys and it's you know a bunch of women and uh, persons of color in jeans and khakis and t-shirts wandered in with like I think the you guys missed the men memo what year this took place in so it was we got they kick did out do a nice job with the baseball scenes I think yeah yeah and I, being at the premiere in Oakland was a great thing for the community and for A's fans to be part of that it was great because I'm not sure that when they have premieres that you have the opportunity as a fan to actually be right there with all the stars and to watch the movie itself. And for all these people is the first time they had seen it. And I'll never forget that when the, when the scenes of the 20 game winning streak were reaching a crescendo, it almost felt like you were back in the Coliseum. That's how loud the cheering was inside the theater. So that was really a cool thing. Yeah, that, that meant a lot for the city of Oakland, too. Um, and the everyone with the production was so complimentary of the city and of the Coliseum, which I loved. Yeah, I never heard people compliment the Coliseum. All the production designers absolutely loved it, which was uh, surprising, but uh, really, really nice to hear some. You know, as you know, yeah. my, I, I'm exactly the same age as the Col Coliseum, and sometimes I take exception to descriptions <laughs> of the Coliseum as being decrepit, past its prime, poor plumbing. <laughs> well, I'm the same age of every ballpark in the big leagues except Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. Oh, no. So that just shows you <laughs> a little bit older than you are. Uh, just a little bit. Not that much. Yeah. Hey, your your dad's still going strong, so you 
You've got good genes there. Well, talking baseball movies in my household, it's a split. I'm Bull Durham, and of course, Dan Brown is League of Their Own hardcore. So you can't go wrong with those. Well, two. he's a Gina Davis fan, right? He is. He is There's the big, biggest big Gina Davis that. fan. So right, yeah. exactly. Both, both. I had Tom Hanks on the radio when League of Their Own was coming out. I actually interviewed him at a game at Yankee Stadium. Oh wow! When I was working for the White Sox. That was really a cool experience. Yeah, that was great. Oh, that's tremendous. Um, well, what are your plans from here, Ken Korak, is as we all kind of deal with this uncertainty? There are no plans right now. It's day-to-day. Okay. It really is. It's day-to-day, take every day, and we're not going out and doing a whole lot, to be honest with you. Uh, I spent a lot of time today. We were out in the garage and, like, little projects, I think, that you've overlooked and you know, we had, there's an old elliptical machine because the health clubs are closed, as you know, and it's the same in the Bay Area. And there's this old elliptical machine that we bought years ago when Emily was still in school, in, in high school, or I think probably high school, dusted that thing off and plugged it in, getting that thing ready to go. So little projects around the house. I've been doing a little writing yes. and just trying to touch base with people, I think, too. I think reaching out talking to friends, seeing how they're doing, and the kind of the entertainment things that you and I talked about earlier, I think are really important right now. But beyond that, honestly, I don't have any plans whatsoever. So I think like like most people, it's kind of day-to-day and hour for hour to hour. Now, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about one hot topic last month uh, when the A's announced that uh, the broadcasts uh, with you and Vince Catronio will be streaming only this year in the in the Bay Area. There are a number of your affiliates are, are still going strong. Uh, there is there there is some terrestrial radio, just not in the actual Bay Area proper. A uh, lot, especially older fans, I think, were very unhappy with this news. And people with older model cars, people without smartphones, people with low uh, data usage on their plans. Uh, what was your uh, overall take with with the announcement and, and with the so sort of predicament some people are in and i think of times like we're living in now susan where excuse me you know chick her and the longtime voice of the lakers used to dedicate all of his broadcasts to the shut-ins and those were people that we were i've always been really conscious of on the broadcast and they're really the most important people because they can't get to a ballpark and so they're the people that i'm the most concerned about not only dealing with the virus but also whether or not they can listen to games when we're back resuming play, because I think that sports in general and baseball, because it's the game that we work in, will be even more important now. And the chance to listen to games, I think, adds can add a lot of, of, of comfort, a great deal of comfort for people. So I'll tell you what I've told everyone. I told you and in the interviews that I've done, and that is that I'm certainly empathetic. I understand the frustration understand the disappointment it would break my heart to lose even one listener and as someone there's a there's an emotional tie that i think a lot of people have with radio and especially people from my generation and i'd almost kind of include you in that too because you were so influenced by radio when you were a kid especially listening to bill king when you were young and you'd listen to him do the warrior games and that was such a big reason you became a fan of basketball. But when I was a kid, literally, if you wanted to follow your team, you had to do it on the radio. So, I, like I said, I'd hate to lose even one listener, and I understand the frustration. Uh, that being said, this is the direction the A's have decided to go. 
there are at least two or three significant reasons, I think, why they decided to go in this direction. And I think it's up to us when baseball resumes, and I've also said this in the interview, Susan, to whatever we can to possibly to be as helpful as we can possibly be, to leave no stone unturned in trying to make it as, as uh, easy as possible for people to not only understand how to do this, but also to be able to stream in the broadcast. It's got to be as easy as it can possibly be. And I I was also very encouraged by the, what's considered the primary listening area where people can listen to A's cast for free. And that encompasses a lot of central and Northern California. And I also think, and even now, and I've, I've talked to people with the A's in the last couple of days that when A's cast is back up and running, that there's an opportunity because this is our channel 24 hours a day. There's A's baseball, and so we can provide programming right now and talk baseball for people, and I think that can serve a good purpose as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the lack of A's over-the-air content the last few years, uh, I think, has has been an issue, certainly. Very understandable that the team has been upset by this. And to have that kind of platform now where the team can have essentially unlimited content and on-demand content that's that's an absolute treasure trove for A's fans uh and i i think yeah. that's welcome and I, I do and there's a chance to be creative absolutely i, I hope fans will there. be patient a... with it and right. be willing to kind of go trial and error have somebody who's a friend or a family member who's tech savvy help you out learn the system uh and uh, there will be a few blips here and there Sometimes uh, the service can kind of go in and out. Sometimes there are a little, you know, a few glitches. Um, but patience, and I think everyone will uh, come to realize that, especially some of that on-demand content, that's that's really going to be tremendous. You can listen to, a, you know, one of your podcasts, <clears throat> Townies shows, uh, anytime you like, anywhere you are, if you're set up for it. And uh, I think you almost anyone can get set up almost anywhere with it. So I hope people will at least give it a try. It can be important too. Yeah. It'll be important. And I'm, I'm hopeful we can get that back up and running and provide a lot of contact for, it. I told them I'll just talk into a tape recorder and send it to you if you're an hour every day, if you want me to, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just talk some baseball and blabber on a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how, that sounds like a great thing to me. Um, yeah. well, Ken Quark, thank you so much for your time. Please take very good care of yourself and your family, and we will check back with you, I'm sure, at some point in the near future. Thanks, Susan. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Our thanks again to Ken Korak for joining us on A's Plus. You can find Ken on Twitter at Ken Korak Radio. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. We will be back again next week with more A's Plus. A's Plus is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support A's Plus and all of the Chronicle's journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.